Welcome to Project Give Back Connects, an extension of Project Give Back in the classrooms, dedicated to inspiring young students to become empathetic, understanding, and community-minded leaders. Project Give Back Connects offers a dose of inspiration and thoughts for discussion. Each live episode is taped and shared with classroom teachers and their students. Sit back, get cozy, let's get connected. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of Project Give Back Connects. It's so nice to see you all. I can't believe it's our second last episode of the year. Wow, that went by really fast. Today's episode is all about invisible differences. You know, as a mom to Jacob, I was always in awe of him because for 21 years, I got to see something pretty amazing. Well, lots of things that were pretty amazing. But one thing for sure is in his lifetime, he never judged anyone. Never. He accepted everyone for who they were. He didn't care what you looked like, where you were from, anything. If you were kind, he felt that and he loved you. That was amazing. Just imagine not judging other people. You know, I got to witness that and I try so hard to follow his lead and to live that way and often make lots of mistakes, but I try. I try really hard. Rob Lowe had a great saying. He said, we can never compare our insides to someone else's outsides. Isn't that brilliant? I just thought that was so cool because if we judge others, you know, we miss so much. And let's just hope we never have to do that. Today, we're going to meet some really inspiring people. They're personal heroes of mine, who's on the outside, they have it all together. And if you saw them on the street, you would think, wow, they, they are awesome as they are. But I know something different, and you're going to know that too. These stars tonight, they have fought, and they have conquered, and they have inspired, and they are fighting. And they're going to share their personal stories with you tonight. So first, I want to introduce you to a very dear friend, Samira Blewas. She was a teacher for Project Give Back for years. And then life hit her heart. And she's here to talk with us. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Ellen. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Samara Blaywas. Thank you for including Jack and I on this really special episode of Project Give Back Connects. I feel really honored to be part of this evening. And I've enjoyed tuning in over the past year as a former Project Give Back teacher and a mother of a Project Give Back student. I understand the impact of the lessons learned in each Project Give Back classroom. I know that while many schools have been continued Project Give Back this year, both virtually and in person, uh, many schools haven't. And my boys who go to Cedarvale, uh, who normally has Project Give Back, they're missing out on that special in-class experience that Project Give Back provides. It's been great for everyone at home to get a little glimpse into the magic that happens in each classroom in Project Give, Project Give Back. Tonight's theme happens to be one that hits close to home for me. 
and it's a topic that often goes unnoticed. I'm one of many people who lives with an invisible difference. In August 2015, I was diagnosed with MS after losing the vision in my right eye. It was a scary and dark time for me, and I had no idea what that diagnosis would mean for me. I was 35, had three little kids, and a busy and active lifestyle. I'm happy to let you know that nearly six years later, while my kids aren't so little anymore, I'm still as busy and active as ever. After my diagnosis, I felt paralyzed. I was worried what my future would look like. Growing up, I knew a few people who had MS, but I really didn't understand what it was. As a teacher, I had a Project Give Back student to present on the MS Society. I had to research what it was in order to be prepared for my lesson. I pictured myself in a wheelchair and not able to do all the things that I loved. I felt stuck at home because I was worried to drive. I did not drive for a few months. And in fact, it's my now 95 year old grandmother who reminded me that if she could drive, then so could I. A friend who I knew, who knew that I loved skiing asked me if I'd been back on skis. And I said that I couldn't. He then reminded me that there are blind skiers and that I could definitely ski again. And so that winter I went out and I skied with my kids. It was that kick that I needed to get up and to stop feeling sorry for myself and to start living my life. After adjusting to my medication and starting to feel better, I decided to take a page out of Ellen's book and turn my lemons into lemonade to see the positive in my diagnosis and how my experience living with MS could help the lives of others, even if it was in a small way. Mark and I decided to sign up for the MS walk with our kids. Our goal was to raise a little bit of money and some awareness for MS. We were blown away when our army of friends and families donated to our team and joined us on the walk. Our team kept growing year after year. And to date, our team has been a top fundraiser each year, and our kids, Jack, Ryan, and Max, have even gotten involved in some of the fundraising. But I'll let Jack talk about that later. So from the outside, when people look at me, they see an active, busy mom and wife. I'm busy running my sports clothing line, the T-shirt mafia, and volunteering at my kids' school. And that is exactly why I live with an invisible difference. When people look at me, they see a person who doesn't sit still, who gets a lot of steps in each day, when we could go to a gym, I was running just as fast as the person next to me on a treadmill. What people don't see is how I adapt to seeing out of one eye, where I place myself in a room so that I can see, how it can be overwhelming to navigate crowded places. They don't see the heaviness that I feel in my foot when I walk on a hot day. And they definitely don't see why I would need an accessible parking permit when I look like there's nothing wrong with me from the outside. In fact, I've been stopped many times and often yelled at in a parking lot for using my accessible parking permit. From the outside, people see an optimistic and positive person who has handled her diagnosis with ease. What they don't see is the anxiety of going for MRIs and awaiting the results and learning that there are lesions in my brain that may or may not affect my ability to live my life the way that I want to. People often see me as a social and outgoing person, but what I've learned in the past six years is that I need to live by taking care of myself first, which often means saying no to plans and not seeing people when I'm feeling fatigued. That can be taken as rude or antisocial, and I felt like I always had to justify my answer. It wasn't hard to learn to say no, especially to Ellen when she asked me to add more Project Give Back classes to my schedule. And if anyone here has ever tried to say no to Ellen, it is not an easy thing to do. If tonight's lesson teaches us anything, it is that the lens that we use to see and judge people needs to be adjusted. We are all guilty of judging other people at first glance. I'm guilty of it too. We need to be reminded to look at others without being judgmental and we must be empathetic. We need to stop and think about 
why someone who looks strong and healthy and able-bodied would need to park a little closer or in a spot that needs a little, has a little bit more space. We sometimes need a reminder that we actually have no idea what is going on in someone else's life. This is one of the many valuable lessons that students learn through Project Giveback. We all live with invisible differences. Project Giveback gives the opportunity to share the often personal and private aspects of their lives. It lets students learn what is going on in the lives of their classmates and even their own families that they would not otherwise know. I remember students learning about a family member's illness, about a friend who was living in a shelter or classmate sibling who lived with autism. These magical moments in the classroom allow students to have a little window into the lives of their classmates and allow them to think about what their lives might be like or why they act in a certain way. As adults, we need this reminder too. We all need to take a step back and think before we judge. And we need to try looking at life through a lens of empathy. And remember that everyone is walking around with invisible differences. Wow. Sam, you rock. Love you, just, I love you. You're so, see what I mean, guys? You'd meet her and you just think, well, she is, she's perfect. She's perfectly imperfect, right? Like all of us. <laughs> But thank you for sharing such wisdom. And um, we all have to think about that. Truly, truly. I don't, I've, also, I've often judged people that have parked. They all, they've gotten out of their car and they've looked perfectly fine. And I've had a child in a wheelchair and I parked far away and did and I gave a dirty look. And you know what? We can't, we just can't. There's a reason for everything. And thank you for sharing and being so honest. Sure, love, love you. you. So we're going to hear another from another person from Sam's amazing family. Her son, Jack, was also a Project Give Back student, and he's going to share something with us today. Welcome, Jack. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be a part of this special night. Ellen, thank you for having me speak. My name is Jack Wales, and I'm a grade seven student at Cedarville. I was lucky enough to participate in Project Give Back when I was in grade six. I chose the MS Society to research for my project as it is clearly a charity close to my heart. I'm going to share my speech with you this evening. As you will hear my speech, many people who live with MS, including my mom, live with invisible differences every day and I think it is an important topic to discuss. Imagine you waking up one day and it is really difficult to do everyday tasks such as reading, writing, walking, standing up, sitting down and eating. Well, this is a reality for people living with MS. The name of the charity I chose is the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Canada. I chose this charity because in late August 2015, my mom was diagnosed with, with relapsed remitting MS. Multiple sclerosis, MS for short, is an autoimmune disease that attacks the myelin, which is the protective covering of the nerves in your brain and spinal cord. It is most often for young adults age 15 to 40 and women are more often diagnosed with MS. Pretend the brain is like a computer and it tells your body what to do. The spinal cord is like a thick wire attached to the computer. Messages, travels, messages travel from the nerves in your brain to other parts of your body. When a person has MS, the myelin gets damaged and forms scars. The messages from the brain get stuck or slow down as they try to reach parts of the body. When this happens, your body doesn't always function right. 
For some people living with MS, their symptoms are visible like the inability to walk. For some people, you would never know that, that they had MS. Those people experience symptoms such as tingling in their hands and their feet. Relapse remitting MS is when people's MS symptoms come and go. For example, you might lose the ability to walk or use your hands for a short time, but your body recovers as it has never happened before. The other types of MS are primary progressive and secondary progressive. Some symptoms of MS are dry mouth, fatigue and fatigability, weakness, balance and dizziness, and depression. If you ever had a conversation with my mom, you can never tell that she has MS. The MS Society of Canada's goal is to be a leader in finding a cure for the multiple sclerosis and having those affected by it and to enhance their quality of life. To raise money, the MS Society organizes many events such as the MS Walk, MS Bike Tour, MS Carnation Campaign, and the MS Readathon. Each year in the spring, I participate in the MS Walk at Downsview Park with my friends and family. Team Blaywas has been a top fundraising team and has been the largest team since 2016. We have raised almost $250,000 as a team. My brothers and I host an annual lemonade stand for the MS Society of Canada. In 2017 and 2018, we raised over $1,500 selling lemonade and having fun with our friends and family. We hope to host the Friends and Family Lemonade Stand this year as soon as we can. For the past two years, Team Blaywas and All Walk participants took part in a virtual walk to raise awareness for MS on individual walks across Canada. The MS walk was just this past Sunday, which happened to be World MS Day. It was a great walk as a family and see so many people participating virtually. The Multiple Sclerosis Society of Canada was established in 1948. Today, on an annual local basis, 1 million, donor, 1 million donors and local volunteers and event participants give their time and money to the MS Society. All fundraising goes to supporting the 100,000 Canadians living with MS, as well as finding a cure. As of now, there's no cure for MS. However, there are many treatments to help prevent MS symptoms. There are many research studies happening right now where MS patients are receiving stem cell therapy. There have been many great results for those patients in studies. Thank you for listening to me speak about the MS Society of Canada, and I'm hopeful that we will find a cure for MS in our lifetime. Jack, I hope you're right. You were awesome. You are a rock star, and thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today. Wow. Thank you. You really are amazing and so cute. <laughs> thank you, Jack. Thank you. So, thank you. So our next speaker has wowed me for 20 plus years. I watched her grow up. She was a neighbor and a friend. I've witnessed her. She was a young girl and she was in a Hollywood movie. Um, I knew her so well and she made me cry, forgot that she was, <laughs> she was who she was. She then became a world champion in debating. Then she went on to be a national ambassador for a cause that she's gonna mention today. She's a world traveler. She is now a lawyer and she's a business owner of Speakwell. Uh, and she's even a singer-songwriter, and she's actually going to sing something for us tonight, too. 
I am so excited for you to meet my buddy, Jordi Benatar. Welcome, Jord. Thank you so much, Ellen, and thank you for, for listening, everybody who's here. So as you know, my name is Jordi, and I want to start about who I am today. I don't want to take you back just yet. So my friends would often describe me, I think, as a multi-passionate person. I have a lot of passions. I like to do a lot of things, as you could probably gather from the way that Ellen introduced me, from being an entrepreneur and running SpeakWell, which is a public speaking, coaching and consulting business, to my legal training. I also went to business school, love to travel, as Ellen alluded to, from my background in acting to music. Overall, I am the kind of person who likes to squeeze as much as possible into this precious life that we're given. And that's something that Jakey taught me, Jacob Schwartz. And it's also a value that was instilled in me from a very young age. And in a moment, I think you'll, you'll understand why. So that's who I am on paper. <laughs> but like, like some of the other speakers this evening, there is an invisible difference that I think separates me from at least most of you who are watching. And that's that I have something called juvenile diabetes, type one diabetes. And that's where the story begins. So my diagnosis was in December, 2002, which is almost two decades ago, which is crazy. And my family was on vacation in Barbados, which is supposed to be paradise. <laughs> and I'm, as, as you already know about me, I'm the kind of person who loves to do all the activities, get as much as possible into a day. And I was just not myself. I was sleeping in the hotel room for most hours of the day. The one time that I went swimming in the pool, I fell asleep in the pool. At the hotel buffet, I would put as much food as possible onto my plate. I actually took the serving that they provided to the entire hotel community and put it on my plate and I ate it all. However, I was losing weight by the day. I was, I was 30 pounds and it was getting worse and worse every day that we were there. It was beyond thirsty. I couldn't go half an hour without a glass of water or, or, or pop, which was even better. And I was grumpy. I, the situation was really concerning and not good. So my parents, as responsible parents do, they, we, we flew home and we went straight to the doctor's office. And I did a urine test and they didn't even need to do blood work. It was so obvious that I had type one diabetes. And for those of you that don't know what diabetes is, it's a chronic illness, which means it's not something you can outgrow you have it forever. We didn't understand at the time why I had it because it, no, no one in my family had it. And it's not like I was eating too much sugar as a kid. And basically the pancreas, which is an organ in your body, just like your stomach and your liver and your kidney, it was producing no insulin. And insulin is a hormone that we all need to survive. It allows sugar to enter cells, which gives you energy and I was quickly informed that my life was going to change forever. I knew that I was gonna have to do constant monitoring, checking my blood sugar with a finger poke, like putting a small needle in your finger before I would eat, after I would eat, when I wake up, when I go to sleep, throughout the night, so I would wake up in the middle of the night. 
I give myself larger needles, usually in my abdomen or my legs, four times a day uh, at, at the very least. It was whenever I had something to eat, whether it was a piece of chocolate cake or a stick of gum, I needed insulin to compensate for what I was putting in my mouth. I'd have to monthly doctor's appointments, blood work. I had to learn how to count carbohydrates and do the math of how much, how much medicine to give myself. I couldn't go anywhere without my insulin pack and my glucometer, no sleepovers for a while. They told me I couldn't go to summer camp, but that didn't happen. I obviously went to camp and loved it. But I was basically told that this is a 24-7 disease. And they were right. It is a 24-7 disease. A lot of people don't, don't see that. That's pretty invisible to even people who know me really well. But the costs of not taking care of yourself and me acting like it's invisible are quite dangerous. I would start to feel the same way that I felt when I was in Barbados. And the long-term complications are awful. You can, you can lose your vision. You can lose sensation in your limbs and have to get your leg amputated, for example. So with that information, which is quite scary, I quickly became the best controlled diabetic ever at SickKids Hospital. My blood sugars were tight. I became a mentor to newly diagnosed diabetics so that they could have an easier time navigating the journey. I was an ambassador for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. I started a group at my university, Queens University, where I ended up going for diabetics on campus, which didn't exist because it's kind of invisible. And I was even asked to speak at the first ever United Nations delegated World Diabetes Day. But like Samara, I guess, I, I turned this into lemonade. And I honestly like to think that my diabetes is the least interesting thing about me. I have a really rewarding and fulfilling career with SpeakWell. I have incredible family and friends. I love adventures of all kinds. I have too many hobbies. They don't fit into one day. So my message to you is whether you're invisible, whether your, your difference is visible or invisible like mine or mental health, emotional, cultural even, whatever disadvantage that you feel like you are carrying around. Number one is only let it define you to the extent that you want it to. So maybe as an ambassador or a mentor, helping others who have the same problem as you, like getting involved with MS, for example, or the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation like me. Number two, do not let it hold you back. Let it propel you forward and do all the things that you want to do in life. Now, I left out one detail about my diagnosis story because I was saving it until the end. When I was diagnosed, I wrote my first ever song. I didn't have the words to express how I was feeling, so I poured it into music. It was called Strong, and I'm definitely not going to sing it tonight because nine-year-old Jordy was a horrible songwriter. <laughs> but music has stuck with me as, as a passion. I actually just released a second single on Spotify last week. It's like been such a fun part of COVID for me. And I am gonna sing something for you now. Baby, just to let me out 
me around in the worst of all. You never call baby when you say But I love you still. I need you more than anyone, darling. You know that I have from the start. So build me a buttercup. Don't break my heart. I'll be over a time you told me time and again. great and what powerful messages you know looking at you and looking at your mom watching you you take me back when you were talking about camp when you went to camp and I remember the duffels sitting outside your house and then your mom's car and your dad's car was filled 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 with packed ice of every meal that you were going to eat for the entire summer so it was just such a beautiful thing to see. So even with your invisible differences, you could just be like everyone else. And she matched it. She got the menu. So if it was Tuesday was chicken finger day, she had chicken fingers for Jordy or whatever it was. It was just pure love and so beautiful to see. And as are you. Love you, Jordy. Thank you for being here tonight. Well, I love you too. And thank you, mom. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, uh, it's time for Lindsay 
with Kindness Corner and at One to Give. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, everyone. This week, One to Give was contacted by Beaten Cupboard Food Bank, which was the first kindness challenge that I gave to you when we started this show. It's an amazing food bank at Bathurst and St. Clair, run out of the St. Michael's Church, but it's for everyone, all denominations, all people. You come and they don't ask you, why are you there? It's only, what can we do to help you? And I go weekly and I drop off cookies that my 92-year-old grandmother bakes every week for the people for the food bank. Um, And I always see the people who are in line And I've gotten to know a lot of stories because people recognize me now. And when I think about invisible differences, a lot of the people who are in line for food, it's not who you would think. It's really a mix. Any judgments, preconceptions you have, throw them away. So many of the people in line at the food bank are people asking for help for the first time in their life. People who worked in the service industry and have been out of work this year. So this week, the pastor at the church contacted one to give and said, since it's been months from Christmas, now they're seeing a real decline in their shelves. And the problem is, is that a lot of other social services are closing down now because things are opening up and the weather is better. But food insecurity is still an issue. Follow us at one to give. We have the wish list of this food bank. And the one to give way, if we all give a little, it becomes a lot. Dropping it off there is so easy. Um, And as always, I'll just remind you that kindness is contagious. Thank you so much, Lindsay. It's just been so incredible what you've done this whole COVID. And guys, if you're not following her, please do. It's, It's so impressive. So everyone, thank you for coming tonight. Um, Sam, thank you. Jack, thank you. Jordy, thank you. Um, Lindsay, thank you. Everyone, it's so nice to see your faces. Thanks for coming. We have one more show in two weeks. As always, let's continue to embrace each other, be kind to one another, and learn from one another. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye, everybody. Mwah.